Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was now finest. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get free pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off including free shipping on HelloFresh Canada, Canada's number one meal kit. Okay, guys, welcome to Petri Dish. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. Okay, guys, the long journey is, well, it's not over yet. Just like the whole episode. But but our long journey is close to its completion. Yeah. We spent a couple episodes talking about MS-13, and now we're finally <laughs> resolving. Uh, where are they from? Why are they here? <laughs> Why should you still be panicked? This is the beginning of the end of our series on multiple sclerosis. Yes. Very clever, Nathan, alluding wah, 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 wah. to a street wah, gang. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Equally debilitating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boy, I'm looking forward to this, what's going to be a very high-energy episode, I can tell. Yeah, both, yeah, both yeah. Nathan and I are in a yeah. state of but, clear high energy. But yeah, you know, in our first episode, we talked about kind of the history of multiple sclerosis, what it is. In the second episode, we dug a little deeper into... Uh, what causes. Yeah, into the causes of MS-3. Uh, oh, wait, no, 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 this is just MS-3. Okay, all right. Uh, that was MS-2. <laughs> okay, and now we're finally going to talk to that good, good, juice, juice, modern treatments, or at least the development of treatments in the last 30 years, where we are now, uh, why the positive is rosy. Why the positive is rosy. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> um, why there's uh, room for optimism and hope in the discussion of multiple sclerosis. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love that. Did I say that one wrong too? No, that one was excellent. But why the positive was rosy. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> pretty one. beautiful, actually. So, like you were saying, Nathan, this week we're all talking about treatments, current ones, future ones. Okay. So, let's go ahead and get into it. Okay, let's do a recap, Sean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, you know, hey, it's been a lot of mouth words, okay? It's yeah. Been, it's been a couple of weeks, right. right, since people started hearing about this. Right. If I remember correctly, multiple sclerosis is basically, when you rip the myelin sheets right off the neurons. Yeah. Right? Um, like, it's an autoimmune disorder. Uh-huh. Uh, your own body, all your adaptive immune systems is going, bop, 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 
and messing up your own myelin sheets, that means your neurons degenerate in those places. Mm-hmm. And that's bad. Wow. Yeah, that was excellent. Yeah, there we go. And so you can have lots of symptoms like numbness or tingling in different spots of your body, difficulty walking or talking, blindness or light sensitivity in one or both eyes. You can have some paralysis. So, Sean, when you give yourself a stranger, uh, is that like a little micro attack of MS? (laughs) Like when you sit on your hand? To make it numb? Is that is that like your nerve cells in your hand? You're messing with the myelin sheets there? I call it a stranger. <laughs> I call it a stranger. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. Chappelle show. Great. So the most common form of MS, if you guys remember, the one that people start out with is relapsing remitting. Yeah. Okay. Or RRMS. And with that one, you have attacks of symptoms that pop up, right? And they hang out for like a day or maybe some weeks or yeah. maybe like months. And then they vanish, right? Mm. Only to come back like months or years later. Right. And it's a grab bag of the symptoms, right? right. So maybe you're numb in a couple of spots, you're tingly in some other ones. And then that goes away. And then a year later, right. you have some tingles in a different spot. And then you have trouble walking or something, right? So you can get new symptoms and all kinds right. of stuff. But if you're like St. Wolfalina of ice skating then you could start to develop progressive ms if that's all untreated right right? and once you start to hit progressive ms your symptoms just worsen and worsen without any relapsing or remitting it's just a slow decline right and so for that one usually at that point we're thinking it's like oh it's neurons dying it's oligodendrocytes which are the ones that kind of make the myelin those cells are actually dying right and so in that situation it's much harder to bounce back from it and there might be some immune-independent reasons at that point. That, right. Like, there had been so much inflammation, so much damage, that now things are just slowly starting to die, unfortunately, in your central nervous system. Right. At that so, point, you just need a brain transplant. <laughs> ideally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we don't know. It's just hard to find a... But a the ma- government's banned <laughs> brain transplant. It's just hard to find a matching donor that has your exact same history and personality. There's to, 7 to... billion people, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's got to be somebody. Yeah. We're right. not that unique. <laughs> right? I've been told I look a lot like a Tajik, so, you know, maybe there's a... There's, there's a... got to be some Central Asia, bro, who you could have a brain transplant Okay, so with. we don't know exactly what's setting off your immune system in the first place. Or how they're getting access to your central nervous system because they're not supposed to be in there. So that element of MS is kind of mysterious, right? But despite all of that, we do have treatments that are related to trying to help take care of the MS. And so let's begin with that kind of early, the early history of treatments for MS. Right. For you fans of House and Hunt for Red October, you're going to remember this one, interferons. Wait, is that in Hunt for Red October? Yeah, that's what Alec Baldwin puts on the engine to make it blow. <laughs> I'm mixing up movies. <laughs> that's great. So, um, so until the 1990s, basically. Okay. So until when Nathan was born. Right. Because I was born 1999. I was very young. No. I'm in my 20s. 91. I look like I was born Womp in 1999. Okay. So I'm very youthful. Until the 1990s, treatments for MS were basically about trying to make the attacks less shitty feeling. I'm still a little upset you revealed my age to those people. We can beep it. You never. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> that's a funny. That's going to be a funny joke because we'll beep it. People won't know why we beeped it. And then later on, we'll not beep this. <laughs> 
Um, anyway, anyway. So to make attacks less shitty, though, that's what the treatments were about before the 90s. Okay? Right. Because it was pretty clear, like, okay, this is definitely an autoimmune disorder. Right. So we gave people a lot of the treatments that we give to try to reduce inflammation, right. which is things like corticosteroids. Okay. And that would be like when you came into the doctor's office with some kind of attack going on, they would give you that treatment to try to like make it less bad feeling. Cool. Okay? But in 1993 and 1996, there was the introduction of two drugs, interferon 1 beta A and B. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which I'm going to mainly call either just interferon or interferon 1 beta. These are both proteins. They're both very closely related to each other. So, like, collectively, it's just easier for me to call them interferon. There are other interferons besides yeah. 1 beta anyway, but, like, whatever. I'm not going to worry about that. The ones that matter for MS is just this group. So, everyone just, I'm calling it interferon. I don't care. Yeah. All right. In general, interferons are generated by your immune system naturally while you're fighting off an infection. Okay. Okay. Interferons a lot of times get made when you're fighting off a viral infection. And they're signaling proteins. So your immune system makes them and sends them out to your body. When they hit normal cells, it'll give normal cells a lot of different kinds of signals to do things like, okay, kind of gear up. You know what I mean? Like there's a virus around. You have to be extra vigilant. Yeah. It'll also give signals to your immune system to be like, hey, we have an active viral infection going on. So what that means is maybe, you know, tune down some of your energy use on bacterial surveillance Mm. and tune up your energy use on virus surveillance. Okay. So what you see is a lot of sort of attention shifting from the parts of the immune system that focus on bacterial diseases, that focus on parasites. Right. Shifting over to the part of your immune system that focuses on viruses. Right, right, right. And so that seems to be how interferons help with MS for some reason. In that the parts of your immune system that are really kind of blasting off in MS are ones that seem to be polarized in what's called the Th1, Th17 direction, Mm. which is bacterial parasite. Right. And shifting them over to Th2, which is viral, typically, Right. seems to help a lot. It, right. it seems to help reduce symptoms of attacks a lot when you use interferons. This is like in public policy where you have the same law enforcement, right? But instead of putting them into low-income neighborhoods, you ship them to Afghanistan. <laughs> uh, and then you have less, you know, you have less of those problems that you used to have in lower-income neighborhoods with police brutality because those people are now in Afghanistan. When the fuck did we do that? What is that a thing? Uh, man, there's a lot of things you don't know about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I'm about to red pill you, bro. We, gotta, we should have... Let's have a new podcast called Nathan's Tell Some Truths. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nathan's <laughs> Fake Truths. We, we can turn you into a whole new queue. Yeah, Nathan's Fake Secret History of the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, because interferons deliver so many different messages to so many different kinds of cells, it's not clear which ones specifically are helping with MS. But it does seem to be the ones that kind of tune down certain kinds of inflammatory T cells. Okay. Um, Uh, Is that the sort of thing you got to stop taking if you have, like, a bacterial infection elsewhere? They can lightly immunosuppress you a little bit. Okay. But not as bad as some of the ones we're going to be talking about later. Right. Do I need a booster shot? Oh, John, do I need a booster shot? 
Sean, do I need a COVID booster shot? Oh, shit, are we talking about COVID now? <laughs> That's what the people want to know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess maybe we should do some kind of episode about that soon. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to just do a science news, but what this the vibe I'm getting from you is that it's a larger subject than that. Yeah, there's like a moral aspect of it. Right. Where like there's so much of the world that hasn't had their first shot yet. Yeah. Like, it's strange to start having people have a booster shot when it's not clear if it's going to be helpful for a majority of people. But isn't that like kind of above our pay grade ethically? You know what I mean? Like if it becomes available, hasn't society failed deeply enough that my individual choice to get a booster shot or not is kind of besides the point now? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we should like death do it. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that there's any kind of negative consequence to getting a booster shot. Right. Whether or not. Well, um, except the microchips. No, the microchips are good. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not want better 5G signal? <laughs> I don't know what the fucking... <laughs> okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. All right. Okay, big derailing. Yes. So, these interferon treatments reduce the number of inflammatory T-cells in the central nervous system. Yeah. They reduce the number of plaques of myelin destruction that you can see on MRI. They reduce the ability of the immune system to get through the blood-brain barrier at all. And they seem to reduce how long attacks go on for and increase the time between attacks. Like, all of that data is, like, from clinical trials. We know that they do that. Right. So they are very good treatments for MS. Okay, cool. One issue with them, though, is that they are proteins. And so you can't take them as a pill because your stomach would digest the proteins. Right. As just fucking protein. Right? Yeah. So Mine they- doesn't, though. It's kind of this amazing thing with just the size of my that I just put steak right back out. I don't <laughs> like I'll, I eat, I'll eat a steak. Go, ah! Why, why <laughs> are you doing I this? digest none of it. What? All you do is, and you could literally just eat it. What the <laughs> have you done? What was just who, just just wipe it clean? Who benefited from that? <laughs> like, with like a wet wipe or a mull tissue, as it's that doesn't work it. at all. No, dude. Oh god. Yeah, can you see it, dude? Oh, god, that's so fucking nasty. <laughs> can you oh my god, that's wretched. <laughs> so it's like I could eat a burrito. This is no, and no, I could actually clean it up all its burrito. Do not say this about burritos. I need to still be able to eat burritos. <laughs> like, you don't understand. Like, you don't understand like, how much I love burritos, and I need to not think about what you're saying straight right now. Straight carne asada you gotta, comes out. You gotta stop. <laughs> like, like if you want to have carne asada, but you have a burrito, and you're like, how am I gonna get the rest? How is this good for you? How am I gonna get the rest of pizza? Oh, just let me eat it. In what, way, in what way does your soul benefit from what you just said to me? I just <laughs> got right. And now you have clean carnesada. Right, There's over. no rice on it. It's over. It's over. God. Okay, so your body... So you, you have to inject proteins because your stomach digests them. Right, unlike exactly. Mine. And in a lot of cases, these ones are self-injected, like yes. at home. Okay? Cool. And a lot... Of like, the, does it help if you do it like straight through the eyeball into the brain? Or, like, do you gotta do it somewhere else? Because the goal is to hit the immune system, like, uh, typically what you do is you inject them just subcutaneously under okay. the skin. But... In their earliest forms, like fresh off the presses in the 90s, yeah. you had to inject them every other day. Wow, that sucks. Yeah. But a lot of the... Uh, I, I can't actually remember what the actual medical term is. The patient stick to yeah. like their ability to keep taking the treatment, right. drops off really fast for this. Right. Because people just do not want to fucking stab themselves every other goddamn day for the entire rest of their lives. It sucks. Just people in general do not like doing that. Right? right, sure. Especially for something like MS, where attacks can be like a year apart. Right? right. And so having to every other day take this shot 
to maybe extend that so it's a little bit further away. It's just too much of a hypothetical situation for patients to really stick to very well. What would you do? What would I do? Well, let's say you're you're in that situation. Oh, like, like if I had MS. Like, do like, you feel like you could imagine the hypothetical strongly enough that you would keep doing it? Or yeah. do you think... Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I can't. My powers of imagination are weak. No, feeble. you're a writer. You only imagine... A brighter future. I'm a writer because I cannot be gainfully employed <laughs> in more meaningful fields. Um, so scientists then created what's called a pegylated form. <laughs> pegylated sounds like the sex act in Lego, the Lego movie. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah. Like, well, it's very much like yeah, that. Chris Pratt got pegylated. So, so peg polyethylene glycol is oh. a polymer. Okay. And pegylation means you take a protein, or it could be a small molecule drug, and you attach that polymer onto it. Sexy. And what that does is that polymer kind of protects the protein a little bit. It keeps it from being broken down or filtered out of your blood quite yeah. so quickly. And so pegylated interferon only needs to be injected once every other week. Right. Instead of every other day. Yeah. And so that helped people use it a lot more. It, like, it made it so that patients used it more frequently. So the pegylated interferon version is typically considered to be a lot better. But it is, in a certain way, a double-edged double -edged peg, right? <laughs> I, I hate what you've done. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so the thing is, people can have antibodies to peg. Yeah. <laughs> is this really not good for you? Man. My entire PhD, my entire PhD was about making nanoparticles using PEG. <laughs> you would have been a fucking mess. Just five years of pegylating. Oh sure. yeah, I was just pegging everything. Oh my god, um, dude. Anyway, I'm not immune to PEG. <laughs> okay, I don't have any of those antibodies. Anyway, so some people have these anti-PEG antibodies, and that makes it so that. The pegylated version of interferon actually gets cleared from their blood faster than oh, the regular okay. version. Ah. And so for those people, the pegylated version is completely ineffective. Oh, interesting. And they would have to use the regular version of interferon. And that can be like 30 to 50% of patients. Right. Hence why it's a double-egged peg. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so in any case, for all of these interferon treatments, the symptoms are basically like you feel like you have a flu. Starting about 10 hours after you get your shot and then lasting for about a day. Okay. How so, often do you have to get shots? You said once every other week? For the pegylated version. Okay. For the regular version, it was every other day. Right, right, so right. So that means you kind of always feel like you have a flu. Wow. Okay. That kind of sucks. Yeah. Not a fan of that. But in any case, that's because literally the interferons are what make you feel all of the flu symptoms mm. when you do have a flu. Right. Like when you have, you know, body aches and chills. Right, and all that stuff is an immune response. Right, right. And it's, yeah. it's mediated by interferon signals. Yeah. So that is why you feel that way. So yeah, so that's interferon. That's kind of like one of the big ones. And once that came on the market, that was like the first really like disease modifying treatment. Right. That could like really change MS for people. So let's take a break. And when we come back, let's get into some of the ones that started coming in after that one. Right. right. So some of the other options. Some scientists know it as the final frontier. I know it as the darkest, most terrible abyss in which we may yet find 
God. Join me, Werner Herzog. So we've discussed pegging, but let's say pegging's not for me. Are there any other polypeptides I could use? But how sure are you that pegging's not for you? Uh, after the last five years, I'm very sure. <laughs> I finally sat Stacy down and I was like, no more! <laughs> Communication's very important. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you know. I, I just wish I hadn't bottled so much up inside. I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... One of the other treatment options that came out in the 90s is this sort of really weird polypeptide. I can't really call it a protein. It's like a polymer made out of amino acids. Okay, so in the previous episode, I mentioned that there was this clinical trial that had happened where the idea is, okay, MS, your immune system's angry at myelin. Yeah. One of the main proteins in myelin is called myelin basic protein. Yeah. And there's a specific part of that protein. Bitch drink Chardonnay. Super basic. Super basic. Like Kim Crawford. Is that a person? Kendall what is that? Jackson. Okay. These are all brands. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're so basic. Oh, you're not basic. You're yeah. sophisticated. Yeah. I'm acidic. That's because I like leapfrogged you into like good ass wine. Like you never had the basic bitch phase of wine. That's not, I- that's not how leapfrogging works. What do you mean? I gave you leap, 5G. You leapfrogging me means you hopped over me. Oh, and then you leapfrogged me. <laughs> I don't think this is working. <laughs> anyway, so... I think the people learned a lot. So we got myelin basic protein. Yes. And that might be the thing that your immune system is angry at. Yes. MS, okay? So these guys were like, oh, right. What if we took a bit of that protein and then we made it so that if it encounters cells that react to it, It'll kill those cells. Okay. Okay. And so that seemed like a perfectly reasonable idea. They tried it out in mice, in an experimental model in mice. Didn't work, huh? No, it worked great in mice. Oh. So they're like, let's get this into a clinical trial, right? They did it in a clinical trial, and it made everyone's MS worse. Okay, that's that's pretty... I mean, it's not funny, but um, why? Right. It seems like the killing part didn't work so well. So all it did was made those immune cells mad. Oh. And then they were pissed off. And and hence the main problem of MS is just getting more intense. Right. Right. So that particular approach did not work out. But another group, not dissuaded, was like, all right, myelin basic protein has like four main amino acids that it likes to use a lot. Okay. What if we just take those four amino acids, mix them together in a bunch of like configurations, just basically like turn them into a long chain of like random shit. All right. Of those four amino acids. And then toss that into people. Okay. If you had pitched me the two different ideas, I would have gone with the former one rather than the latter. Right. The latter does not, to me, sound sensical. But they did it anyway. Right. It's kind of like Pearl Harbor versus the co-prosperity sphere. And it turns out the co-prosperity sphere is more successful. What's the co-prosperity sphere? Well, it was Japan's kind of propaganda move across East and South Asia and their colonies uh, of like, you know, suggesting that like Japan and all the native peoples 
we can develop prosperity for Asians together. Oh. Right? And instead, you know, like, they, like, use slave labor and stuff. Wow, that's not uh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did not pan out. And so it's, like, kind of like carrot and stick. Yeah. Right? And in this case, the stick did not work. Well, did the carrot work that well, though? Because... Uh, well, they didn't really do the carrot. Right? <laughs> Maybe we added this stuff out too. This is not as cogent as I hoped it would be. It's uh, probably obscuring the subject. It was a little thinner it. than I was hoping. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So, so basically, you know, the idea of taking the amino acids of a protein and yeah. then like mixing them up and jumbling them up into long chains. I would not have thought would be very useful. Right. But hey, science is sometimes pursuing ideas that maybe wouldn't be like the top tier idea or something like that. Right. But like when they gave it a shot, they injected it under the skin. Right. And what seems to happen first is that T cells that react to myelin basic protein do come into the area. Yeah. And get mad. They yeah. do. Okay. So there is this first response that I would call like a not good response. Right. But... Maybe because, in part, it's under your skin or something. There is kind of the second phase that happens, which is these other T-cells come in, called regulatory T-cells. Okay. And regulatory T-cells are like, hey, everyone here needs to chill out. Yeah, they're internal affairs. Yeah. And they're like, look, the stuff that's here is clearly not dangerous. Right. It's been sitting here for days now. Right. And, like, it hasn't done anything bad. Okay. So everyone that's here, like, you all need to chill out. Yeah. Okay. And in that process, they can deactivate other T-cells. Okay. And that deactivation might actually make it so that the MS symptoms weaken. Okay. Right? Because a lot of the T-cells that were there that got activated in the first place, they were all ones that would have targeted your myelin. Okay, interesting. So we're kind of using the regulatory T-cells to, I mean, from their perspective, by accident, tamp down MS. Right. Right. And so basically this treatment does seem to work pretty well. As far as I understand, it's a little frustrating in the sense that like you get a shot under your skin of this like kind of like big kind of like lump that's like a little bit bigger sure. than a quarter. That kind of sucks. And it can get kind of inflamed because all of the right. T-cells like, coming in and getting like activated and everything right. like that. But, so, but yeah. it works. Yeah. Or at it least seems it to work in that it seems to reduce the number of attacks in the relapsing, remitting MS. Although, how, it doesn't help in the progressive phase of the disease. How uh, how often do you have to get the shot? Yeah, so this one, I think you kind of get them spread out pretty far apart. Because okay. the idea is that it's supposed to generate regulatory T-cells and they can hang out for very long periods of time. So, you know, moving on to our next treatment... You know, whenever I think easy solution to a problem, I think chemo. <laughs> uh, so tell me about chemotherapy for MS. Yeah, so in the 2000s, the early aughts, there's this drug approved for MS called mitoxantrone. And mitoxantrone is a chemotherapeutic drug that's used a little bit in cancer, although not that often, because honestly, it's a little too toxic to use in cancer. Okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> it's, it's, not quite too toxic for ms though i suppose yeah, apparently so interesting um you, why you, could that possibly be the case because you can probably use different dosing oh. uh the dose that you'd need in cancer to like really kill the shit out of the cancer cells just kills the person can cause heart problems oh because one of the main off-target impacts of mitoxantrone is cardiac muscle mm, that's a good one 
Yeah. Yes. Okay. You do need you do need that one. But we can dose better for MS. Now, does this help just with relapse remitting, or does it help at all with second tier progressive MS? Yeah, so it is interesting because it's actually, it seems like it was supposed to also work a little bit for secondary progressive MS too. Secondary progressive MS is the one that relapsing remitting kind of can turn into if it's right. untreated. Right? right. And it seems like the mitoxantrin could kind of slow down the progression, right? Because progressive MS, it's like just like day by day, things get a little bit worse. Yeah. It seems like mitoxantrin could maybe slow that down a little bit. Mitoxantrin works in cancer because it kills the shit out of cells that are dividing a lot. Right. Because it kind of shoves itself into DNA and will mess up cell division. Okay. And because active T cells and B cells, ones that are like angry at something, need to divide a lot to do right. their job, mitoxantrin can basically mess those guys up. Okay. Typically, you'd get a shot of mitoxantrin once every three months or so, which is also less frequent than you would for chemo. Okay. And that's also less frequent than you'd get the pegylated interferon, so that's nice. You okay. Know? But like I mentioned, mitoxantrum does have a history of cardiotoxicity. I mean, is the dose low enough that that's not a big deal for MS patients, or is that still kind of long-term important? Long-term, you could still see it. It was okay. pretty clear that like it was a noticeable side effect. Not of everybody, but like a large enough percentage. Although luckily enough, heart transplants are easier and more accessible than brain transplants. <laughs> that is accurate. Um, <laughs> uh, but basically, I don't think mitoxantrum gets used for MS anymore. I think a lot of stuff that came out more recently right. has sort of supplanted it. As, right, as, without killing your heart. Right. Right. But I will say what's interesting... Uh, my eyes sort of like opened wider when I saw mitoxantrin as an option because mm. in my postdoc, one of the other projects in lab was using mitoxantrin. And the reason why is that mitoxantrin has a sister molecule called doxorubicin. Mm -hmm. Doxorubicin has the same problem in that it kills your heart. And doxorubicin actually was too toxic to use for cancer patients until someone put doxorubicin into nanoparticles. Mm. And those nanoparticles, basically, heart cells would not take them up. Oh, okay, wow. So it, like, basically got rid of the cardiotoxicity mm. and made it so that doxorubicin now is, like, a very commonly used cancer treatment, but just the nanoparticle form. So you think someone should attempt the same thing with mitotaxaronis? Yes, yeah. yes. And, in fact, in my postdoc lab... We made mitoxantro nanoparticles. There you go. And found that for treating cancer, they seem to do a pretty good job. It makes me wonder if mitoxantro nanoparticles could have lower toxicity for MS. But luckily, we don't need. We don't even need that shit. I know that with your fancy nanoparticles, yeah, we could save this chemo drug. Sure. Uh, I'm a little. I'm. I'm a little freaked out by chemo. Do we have just like some sexy? Regeneron style stuff that I could use instead. Some Donald Donald approved drugs. The beautiful segue. Yeah. So yes. Yes. We, we do antibodies. have antibodies Woo! that we can use here. It's interesting how much connectivity there is between cancer treatments and MS treatments. Yeah. It's because for leukemias and lymphomas, the cells that are cancerous are T cells and B cells typically. Oh, okay, cool. And so we figured out a lot of treatments for leukemia and lymphoma to kill T cells and B cells. That can be used to kill excess and angry T cells and B cells in our particular problem. Exactly. Very okay. cool. And a lot of those treatments now are antibodies. The entire realm of cancer immunotherapy are all just a bunch of different kinds of antibodies we can use to kill B cells and T cells. I feel like for the first time in this podcast, I'm following the thread. 
<laughs> anyway, let's keep going. Let's not linger on that. <laughs> and so, yeah, so th- there are multiple antibodies with fun names like Ofatumumab or Acrolizumab. It's a Nubian king. Say uh, the first one again. Ofatumumab. That's definitely Nubian king. Ocrelizumab. Nice. And those antibodies, they bind to a specific protein on B cells. Mm. And then make it so that your immune system sees a bunch of antibodies on a cell and thinks that that cell is something that needs to get eaten up and killed. Okay, cool. And then your immune system will come in and kill those B cells. How much does this compromise your immune system? So sometimes a lot. Right. A lot. It kind of depends on what the target is. So some antibodies will wipe out all of your B cells. Right. Some antibodies will wipe out your B cells that are not fully matured yet. Right. Which are maybe the ones that are more aggressive in MS. Right. This is kind of like, so you say abolish the police, right? But really, you have a grab bag of policies to kind of like target police reforms. Sure. Or you could abolish the police. Yeah, well, it's like a lot. You still want public safety. Right. Right. But like there's this kind of like long history going very far back with like right. the, the institution of policing. But But in this case... Maybe we like we're actually abolishing the adaptive immune system. <laughs> right, right. Some of these treatments wipe out all of your B cells, all of your T cells. Right, right? and like, they still have a val. They like you need them, so that's like a little too immunocompromised now. Right. So, and a lot of times for that, you are definitely at risk of getting an infection. Right. You know, including infections that are like you know how with HIV you can get infections and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Normally, I was about to say like you don't have any MS symptoms as you die from Kaposi sarcoma. I mean, kind of. There's a specific virus. I'm trying to remember what it's called. I think it's called like the JC virus or something like that, named mm. after the first person who imaged it. Jesus but, like, Christ. Uh, yes the jesus christ virus (laughs) big old jc Um, and like the jesus christ virus actually infects cells in your brain wow so you can actually be taking a treatment for your ms to protect your brain but then get an infection by an opportunistic virus that infects your brain well then how the hell do we use these antibodies like safely. very carefully okay with a lot of monitoring and then the people need to be very very careful about their exposure to things right yeah I mean, it, it has risks, for sure. It's so sad that face masks are an offense to our freedoms. Because otherwise, these guys can wear face masks, <laughs> you know, and it'd help them. <laughs> but, like, liberty's so important, you know what I mean? I think I think our cousin got one of these antibodies for her treatment. Really? Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah. That... I've never felt so personally connected to a subject. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. My machine interface, I felt really personally connected to that one. And no one listened to it! That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah, so in any case, those are basically what the antibody options do, is they'll go in and they'll wipe out a lot of your T-cells or B-cells. There is one antibody that's kind of different, in that what it does is it binds this receptor on the cell surface that's supposed to help them find the site of, like, an active immune cell, like, shitstorm. Yeah. So it's basically like their homing beacon, Yeah. right? And so this antibody blocks that homing beacon. It makes it so the immune cells are less good at, like, finding where to go. Okay, but Sean, okay, all this shit we've been talking about, you know me. I don't like being penetrated. I don't like being pegged. I like oral, all right? I want to take all this stuff orally, all right? And I know that most MS patients are just like me, okay? <laughs> they don't want shots. They want oral. So tell me, are a lot of these drugs available orally, or do I need to get pegged for the rest of my life? That's a 
It's great that we got here. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a good <laughs> it was point. It's all leading like, to this. Antibodies are also protein, so you cannot take antibodies orally either, right? Oh so wow, this sucks. It dude. wasn't until 2010 that there was this big breakthrough mm. in that we started getting MS drugs approved that can be taken orally. Corresponding with the rise of the Tea Party, coincidence? I think not. It's got to be for the same reasons. <laughs> it's got to be the same reasons. <laughs> <laughs> So, very generally speaking, the drugs can be broken down into drugs that generally immunosuppress the shit out of you, and drugs that more specifically fuck up your T-cells and B-cells. Okay. Okay? But, that is the general idea, in that all of these drugs that we're talking about, the oral ones, and most of the treatments from before, they're all very heavily immune-focused, right? And it's not that that's necessarily bad, but we did mention in the last episode that the immune system is like the big bad boy for like the first chunk of MS. Yes. The relapsing remitting. But once the ball gets rolling and then we start to pass into the progressive MS. Your brain's just dying. Yeah, there seem to be more immune independent factors that start to kick in. Yeah. Such that even if you do a good job trying to chill out the immune system, MS can keep marching on some. Yeah. Right? And so... There are a lot of these great treatments now to reduce the duration, severity, and number of attacks. These treatments seem to make it so that, you know, you're less likely to move on to progressive form of Right. They're all intrinsically helpful because you're just doing less damage to your neurons. Right. And thus, it's harder to reach that stage. Right. Exactly. So that that is excellent. And I think that in terms of treatments, we're in a very cool place for MS in that now what we're trying to understand is out of everyone with relapsing, remitting MS... Which treatments are best for which people, right? Like, are there combinations? Right. We Usually, can start to tailor this stuff more. Right. A lot of times, these treatments are still used singularly as right. what are called monotherapies, in that we don't mix them together. Are there combinations that would be even more helpful? Are there combinations where we could cut back on the dose and things would be less toxic or fewer side effects? No. There's all kinds of really cool options now that can help with relapsing remitting. But for people who could not get treated early enough, or people who started out with primary progressive MS, right? Yeah. 10% of patients who get diagnosed with MS get diagnosed with a progressive MS that is not relapsing remitting. Right. Just right off the bat, they and, have this progressive and MS. And we still don't have solutions for that. Right. The treatments don't really seem to help that out all that much. Okay, well, let's take a break and then let's look at the next frontier. Although I want to leave our audience by saying one last thing. Uh, that's a great t-shirt that we should release. It says MS and then it says, we're in a very cool place. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Everyone's going to love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you said it. This is Sean Allen. <laughs> okay, let's take a break. The following is an actual advertisement. Hello, and I am Zach, host of Podcast Junkie. Podcast Junkie is a tool for podcast listeners of all genres who are searching for their next favorite show. I review a different podcast series or season each week helping discerning listeners like you discover new shows and connect with their creators. Each episode lasts between 4 to 15 minutes and gives you, the listener, a quick overview of the week's selection, what to expect from this show, and why I think you should add it to your queue. I'll even toss in a bite-sized snippet from an episode or even their trailer. Along with doing these weekly reviews to help you get in touch with a new podcast, I also support indie podcasts through my merch sales and Patreon contributions. Find out more about that and myself over on Twitter, at CastJunkie, or over at CastJunkie.com. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope I can help you find your next favorite binge. Okay, so now we're going to discuss the future. Cece, are you all right? My eyes. 
Ah, uh, yeah, Stacey has a sty, guys. Oh, yeah, um, please send more money to Petri Dish so that we could get it seen. Um, you can uh, visit us at patreon.com slash Petri Dish. Um, we'll start a GoFundMe page. It's called Life for Stacy's Eye. <laughs> uh, too poor to remove sty. Wow. wow that rhymes, dude. <laughs> okay, fucking Kanye West over that here. That was Uh-oh. beautiful. <laughs> I'm like Kanye West in 2010. I see. Before some stuff. <laughs> Uh, who am I kidding? I'm not cutting it west now. Okay, anyway, anyway. So, um, so yeah, so let's talk about the next frontier, the final frontiers, hopefully. No, 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 not that. I mean, there are no final frontiers in science. Let's talk about the frontiers of research in MS treatments. I think first, as with all horizons on science, the gut microbiome. Sean, what can I do? What kind of um, supplements can I take to stave off MS with my gut microbiome? Uh, Since the gut microbiome influences everything. Eat lots of fiber. Okay. I think that's useful. That's good. Okay. Well, anyway. Probably lower levels of high fructose, like corn syrup stuff. Right, right, right. And then... uh, But um, more MSG. Well, MSG is really tasty. Yeah. So I I can't really argue against that. Although not too much sodium. Mm. Not too much sodium, Nathan. That's hard. That can be bad for you. It's hard for me. And uh, not too many artificial sweeteners, guys. Otherwise, you'll get that anal discharge. Yeah, you don't want anal discharge well, often. So, so one of the things is, like, you know how you guys like to drink the, um, they're like LaCroix, but, like, cheaper and taste just as good? Yeah, the Kirkland brand. Right. Yeah. And those ones are not sweet, right? Right. There are apparently, like, cheap supermarket, lightly sweetened, but, like, with artificial sweeteners. Right. But, like, are the same sort of thing. They're, like, slightly sweet, not full-blown soda drinks. Is that right? like an anal discharge situation? And that one, people will drink it like water, but that is too much artificial sweetener. Yeah, sure. And then that makes it so that they get the uh, they get the leaky butt. At the risk of this being too long of a digression, I guess I realize now I don't really know what the difference in anal discharge and just pooping is, because isn't poop on some level a discharge from the anus? Like, what is anal discharge? No, you're right. You're right. But I'm talking about like a little bit of the leaky butt. Ah, okay. You know, okay. like a little so bit like of the... Water or like... Or like an oily leaky. I was about to say, because it's never like quite like water. Because then we would drink it, and then like a lot of our water problems in the West would be solved. Why is this happening? But like, it's like, it's like a little funny, like little bits in there. <laughs> like what, what is the composition of anal discharge? Well, in this case, I'm talking about kind of like an oily, like leftover mm, sort mm. of, sort of stuff, the chemical slurry. And guys, that's science news. Okay, yep. great. We have our segment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. um, so, uh... What were we talking about? You were saying some microbiome bullshit. I mean, technically, I, I've, <laughs> I've read some other things like um, like exercise can be useful right? Uh, and right. things like that. And I appreciate all of that. Some of those studies are very hard to like pin down right. and isolate really specific things that can help people. Yeah, they're all published by like the Dr. Oz Institute. No. Yeah. I mean, some of them are better than that. It's, it's just like, like shake weights. It's just, it's just tough. <laughs> shake weights help with the mess. <laughs> um... In any case, so these future treatments are ones that, like, there's been some clinical trials going on. Okay. Right? That kind of thing. Okay. And so, as mentioned, all of those current treatments were about, like, immune cell stuff. Right. Or, like, tweaking levels of B cells and T cells and stuff like that, right? All right. There is, I guess, another option, mm-hmm. which is to just literally kill your entire immune system and make a new one. I don't like it. Just delete your whole fucking immune system, get rid of the entire thing, and then just build up a new one. 
Okay. All right. And so this is called autologous hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. I don't trust it. That name's too long. <laughs> and it is actually something we already do for people with certain leukemias and lymphomas. Is that also cancers. what we basically did with early HIV AIDS treatments? Like uh, the non-medical y- yeah, ones. Like yeah, when, like, when we do a bone marrow transplant, right. is that what we're basically doing? Right. Yeah. This is effectively the same thing. Okay. In this case, typically what you do is, yeah, you might do chemo or radiation or something like that to basically destroy the person's bone marrow stem cells. Wow. To make it so that they can't make new immune cells. Wow. Okay. And then... You get an orphan. Sometimes you'll give them some treatments to kill any of the immune cells that are just like floating around a little bit too. Okay. And then... You'll go ahead and give them their own stem cells back. Oh, okay. You'll try to seed in some new stem cells from the same patient and hope that like those new stem cells can start over all brand new and make a whole new set of T cells and B cells and all the good ones, all the hits. Very cool. Okay. This process is pretty intense. It's hard to be more immunocompromised than this. Right. right. Like, you effectively do not have an immune system. You gotta, like, bubble boy this shit, right? Yeah. So, plenty of risks. People definitely die. Okay. okay. There is, like, an associated risk of death. But MS is gone for five years. Yeah, so it seems like from clinical trials that, like, at least five years after this treatment, you don't really seem to get MS attacks. Right. So, you know, it seems kind of extreme. The clinical trials that was done were mostly with people that, like, current treatments couldn't seem to help very interesting so it was already like a pretty tough treatment group so So, the fact that it worked pretty impressive yeah and i will say like we seem to be getting better at it in the sense that like the first the earliest trials of this were in the 90s and a fair percent of people did not survive right and luckily because the private insurance system fosters competition and thus lower prices it's very affordable in america (laughs) Why are you so naughty? Why you, you got to say words like that? It's really expensive in socialized systems. I like will. Canada. Then you're so naughty boy. I'm just kidding. Okay. So that's one option is just like fucking completely blast out your immune system okay. and get a new one. Okay. But I like pre-existing infrastructure. I like uh, to repair dams and bridges. Sure. Sure. Okay. So, so there is another option, right? We can try to repair the myelin. Right? Okay. Because myelin getting all fucked up is a pretty major part of what makes MS MS. Just build more myelin. Right. And since myelin production is done by oligodendrocytes, yeah. a lot of uh, experimental drugs are currently getting tested to see if there are ways to like get more oligodendrocytes, yeah. grow more of them, and get them to produce more myelin. Okay. So far, these drugs are in or are completing phase one clinical trials. So several of them appear to be safe. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they are effective or anything. So we need to wait for the phase two clinical trials for that. Mm -hmm. To be in clinical trials, they've all had preclinical stuff in mice. And in mice, they look good. But we know that things can look good in mice and not work in people. Right. Right. So so I can't say that any of these are like, boom, knocking it out of the park yet. Yeah. But phase two clinical trials are going to get started on some of these. And it's possible that some of these drugs might make it so that you can really jumpstart the repair process. Right. And replace maybe some of the oligodendrocytes that have maybe died in, for example, progressive MS. These drugs could potentially be treatments useful in progressive MS. Right. So another option for trying to repair shit potentially would be to use stem cells to try to replenish oligodendrocytes or dead neurons. Okay. Because if progressive MS is a problem where you're seeing a lot of death of cells, maybe we need stem cells to replace them. Right. 
And so there have been some trials involving stem cells, specifically stem cells called mesenchymal stem cells. Although how those stem cells help in, M- in MS is a little bit mysterious. Right. In that like mesenchymal stem cells can turn into a bunch of different kinds of cells, not just neurons or oligodendrocytes. Right. And a lot of the times that they're using clinical trials, the mesenchymal stem cells are injected in the stem cell form. Like right. they still haven't decided what they're going to be. Yeah. So like some people suggest that the main thing that they do is they like somehow tone down inflammation still. Right. That it's still on the immune side and it's like, oh, the mesenchymal stem cells turn into some kind of cell that chills out your immune system. Right. Other people are like, no, at least some of the mesenchymal stem cells are turning into oligodendrocytes or maybe even neurons. There's some trials where they'll take the mesenchymal stem cells and then in a Petri dish, turn them into neural stem cells. Yeah. And then put them in, right? But there was actually a phase two clinical trial that completed very recently where they injected mesenchymal stem cells either intrathecally, which basically means into the spinal canal. Ah, I misheard you the first time. Can you guess how I misheard you? No. Intrafecally. <laughs> that is actually very, very close. <laughs> but somehow yeah, I did not occur to I'm too science-y. I got injected intrafecally. So this is intrafecally. <laughs> and that's basically into your cerebral spinal fluid. Wow. Okay? Gnarly. And then in some patients, they injected them intravenously. Okay. okay. So into your blood. And when they did the comparison, they found that for MS patients... They saw more improvement in the ones that were injected intrathecally or how, into the how much more, spinal form. How much improvement at all? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, so this trial was specifically on the progressive form of the disease. Okay. Not relapsing remitting. Okay. And so actually some of the metrics that are from relapsing remitting that are like more clear, like number of attacks... And the formation of these like little plaque spots in MRI. Yeah. Some of these are like not exactly available for the progressive form. Okay. But as far as I could tell from my reading of the data, it looks like there's a statistically significant improvement in patients with the progressive form of MS. Okay. And so these stem cells may actually be having an impact that has something to do with the cerebrospinal sort of area. Okay. So, you know, this paper... I think is actually pretty optimistic. Yeah. Stem cell therapies in general are, for a long time, they've been a little bit out there. Right. Right. But this clinical trial was like very solidly controlled. It was actually a double blind wow. clinical trial. Okay. Uh, that included a placebo. So some people got injected with stuff that the doctors did not know whether they had cells in it or not. Right. And the patients did not know whether it had cells in it or not. Yeah. Right. I think this was a very effectively designed trial. Mm-hmm. And they did seem to see an improvement. Okay. It's a phase two, so it was a small number of patients. Right. But hopefully we can see a phase three, a bigger number of people. And if there's successes here, then this could legitimately be kind of like the first major therapy that could successfully help people with progressive MS repair some of that damage that happens because you know progressive ms you do see the brain start to die right Right. like you see brain atrophy and you know if you can reverse that with this kind of stem cell treatment then that would be like a really solid leap forward for people with progressive ms could we also like figure out a similar thing for alzheimer's or something 
I mean, can we repair brain stuff in a similar way for other illnesses? Yeah, I mean, so there has been that thought. It kind of depends on whether you can also get at some of the root causative issues. Right. Right. Because the whole idea here with progressive MS is like, okay, we have a lot of good things for taking care of the immune side. Right. right that can kickstart problems. So while also keeping the immune side chill, let's also do some repair stuff. Yeah. With Alzheimer's, since the root cause is still very mysterious. Right. Then it's also very clear that there is neuronal cell death. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, maybe you can try to get some stem cells in there, but what if they die immediately because whatever's the root cause is still causing toxicity? Right. right. All right. But so, okay, wow. So that's cool. I feel like most of our episodes on diseases are either historical or are hopelessly pessimistic. Whereas, like, this is kind of nice. This is like a legitimate clinical frontier. Yeah, it is a frontier, but it's one where, you know, unlike Alzheimer's, where there's sort of a, a lot of swirling doubt and confusion. Right. The frontier is almost the most depressing part about the Alzheimer's subject. Yeah. And Alzheimer's is still in a pretty rough spot, in my opinion. Right. Um, but multiple sclerosis, I think, is in a really promising one. It doesn't mean what it used to like 30 years ago. Right. You know what I mean? Like a diagnosis of MS now doesn't mean the same thing that it did 30 years ago. Okay. How about ALS? How are we going to deal with that one? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll, Come on, Mr. Science. That's, that's a different episode. Why are you doing this to me right now? I need to read papers and shit. Okay, okay. Well, guys, that's our... That's our con- yeah, it's okay. over. It's over, guys. <laughs> it's all over. The stars fade out. All right, so let's say... Heat death takes over the universe. Let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord engineer and animator. Thank you, Brian, for art. You can go to... Blah, 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 blah. On Twitter... At Dish Podcast, you can hit us up. You can also email us at gmail, blah, blah, blah. PetriDish at gmail. No. PetriDishPod at gmail.com. You can go to patreon.com slash PetriDish. Wow. Uh, I know. You've said it so many times that it's seared (laughs) into my memory. Thank God. Just like how perfectly seared the meat comes out after I... No! Oh oh my God. In fact, because of the chemical burns on the side of the meat, it actually is a pre-sear. Well, now that it's a callback, we have to keep it in the episode earlier, (laughs) which is really upsetting. All right, everyone. Well, thank you. And um, tune in for a collaborative episode. The podcast is The Microbe Moment. Okay. And it's the Microbagals that put it together. And so, yeah, definitely uh, look forward to that. It's a lot of fun. We talked about some medieval stuff, but we're not going to go any further. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. teaser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here, here's a tiny amount more teaser. A mysterious disease that afflicted England, known as the sweats. (laughs) Stop, Gallant. That was another name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Anyway. Tune in next week for more juicy, juicy medieval diseases like that. All right. See y'all. Thank you.